Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Spoiler Warning Podcast. This is review number 242 with a review of The Conjuring. I'm Christopher Schneezy. I'm Carson Patrick. And if you're joining us for the first time, the Spoiler Warning Podcast is a weekly film review program. Each week on the show, Carson Patrick and I are going to dive in, debate, discuss, and argue over the latest film releases uh, that are hitting a theater near you. Um, This week in the feed, we've already had a review of Red 2. This is our review of The Conjuring. Uh, We're also going to have a review of R.I.P.D. and Only God Forgives, which is available right now in limited release and video on demand. Um, So, yeah, Carson, how you doing? I'm I'm good. I'm here. You know, I was going to say... You know what movie looks like a lot of fun, but it'd probably be pretty bad, is uh, Escape Plan. I'm totally on board with Escape Plan. (laughs) It it actually looks like it could be legitimately good, not in a so bad it's good way. Yeah, yeah. but I mean, it's going to be cheesy, but I I think it'll be... But it actually, like, the plot of it actually seems like, oh, it's like a little better than what I was expecting from that kind of movie. And for people who haven't seen the trailer for Escape Plan, it's basically a guy who escapes prisons for, like, that's just what he does. And Yeah, for a living, yeah. And basically these people go, hey, we have this new special maximum security, crazy, futuristic prison that we are yeah, building. Yeah, it's basically like that prison in Face Off that was, like, on an oil tanker yeah, or it's, oil it's, platform. The, and they basically talk to him. They're like, look, we want you to prove to us that this can't be escaped from. This guy's going to be your warden. Why don't you go in there? And then he gets like captured, thrown in a car, wakes up in this prison, and what? that warden you guys mentioned isn't here. And it turns out he's like tricked to get turns inside out he's this Jesus. prison. And uh, <laughs> yeah, Jesus is the prison guard. Uh, yes. Um, he's basically in purgatory. <laughs> exactly, yeah. This movie will end the same way Lost did. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, it's it definitely interesting with him like basically being tricked into putting himself into this crazy, inescapable. Um, or unescapable, inescapable, inescapable. Anyway, yeah. Anyways, this prison, and uh, he has to try to escape from it. And he, of course, Sylvester Stallone gets the help of Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah. And uh, I'm gonna help you escape. Yeah. If I don't get out of here, I'll kill you. <laughs> yeah. You punched. You hit like a vegetarian. <laughs> uh, good times. Um, but yeah, yeah. No, I, I'm totally on board with that stupid ass movie. Yeah, it. it I have a feeling like we we were both excited for like the last stand, and that didn't turn out too well. But uh, it could it could easily be that way. But uh, I hope not. Yeah, hopefully he's not feeling so old in this movie. Yeah, although they do look pretty old. Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> but I, I, you know, j- just in the trailer from the scenes with him. Uh, you know, the way he goes about breaking out with, like, the making little things to, to do the slide on the thing and, like, the fingerprints from the keypads and stuff. Like, if this film can stick to the actual espionage tricky stuff and not just, like, yeah, I'm going to make a disturbance and, like, run yeah, over on the prison. Like, I, I'm excited for the heisty, reverse heistiness of, right. of this film. Yeah, I want to see how he gets out. Yeah, so do I. Yeah. You know, maybe he uh, is going to get out by, you know, getting the uh, the help from some sort of paranormal entity that, you know, may or may not have latched itself onto something in the prison. I don't know. I don't know. The prison walls. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, maybe yeah, maybe he'll evaporate <laughs> straight through the walls. <laughs> that oh, would, yeah, that would be the best way to escape from prison. That is my terrible attempt at uh, a segue into talking about paranormal stuff. No, I mean, stuff. it was difficult. I don't think you could have segued uh, into this movie. Yeah. Maybe it's like the prison of your mind 
that demonic forces try to wear you down so that you get trapped inside your own prison so they can possess you. Yeah. I think that's that's where it is. Yeah. Or, or prison like little cases that you put freaky looking dolls into. Right. Yeah. You can tell them that they can live in the doll. Did you? Which did is you, the worst idea ever. Did you steal that doll from the ArcLight? <laughs> oh my God! No. <laughs> No. If you woke up tonight and that doll was just sitting in your living room. Oh, my God. What would happen? Don't. (laughs) Oh, my God. Yeah, so for anyone listening, I went to the Arclight, which is a movie theater up here, and this morning saw a movie there. And they they always have props on displays from movies, and they had props from The Conjuring on display. And they had that damn creepy doll (laughs) on display. I was just like – and I – I took a picture of it and sent it to Chris and it was just like, miss me. Um, if you've seen the movie, that'll be funny to you. Um, yeah. And that thing, it was in the case. I don't know. Okay. So any sort of doll period, like any old dirty doll looks creepy on its own. But if yeah. you take a doll that has like a marionette head, that's painted like a clown sort of, <laughs> and oh. it's dirty and creepy. That's just uh, like James Wan likes his creepy dolls, but this was just like almost too much. Yeah, it's pretty. This was like the creepiest of dolls. Like I don't know where he got this thing, or who made it for him. I would love to like be able to get this doll and then sneak into friends' houses who have seen this movie <laughs> and just like place it in weird places. That would be the worst. Ugh. <laughs> All right. Well, it's almost it's 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 not the same, but it's almost like in the same realm where like I remember I went to a World War Two museum like on a field trip in like middle school and they actually had like one of Hitler's uniforms like on display. And I was just like, what? who touched like I would not want to touch that. <laughs> and that's like kind of the same. Like, I don't want to touch this doll. Like someone has to transport it. Yeah. I was just like, no, thank you. It's pretty bad. Um, yeah. All right. Well, uh, what do you say we just get into a review then of The Conjuring? Let's take a look at the trailer and then let everybody know what we thought. All right. It's 918. We're headed down into the cellar where the door's just opened on its own. You give us a sign that you want to communicate with us. What are you guys? Well, we've been called ghost hunters, paranormal researchers. But we prefer to be known simply as Ed and Lorraine Warren. There's someone here that would like to talk to you. There's something horrible happening in my house. November 1st, 1971, I'm sitting here with Carolyn Perrin, who, with her family, has been experiencing supernatural occurrences. You picking up anything in here, hon? Something awful happened here, Ed. What is it? Whatever Lorraine sees, feels, touches, it takes a toll on her. A little piece each time. You have a lot of spirits in here, but there's one that I'm most worried about because it is so hateful. 
here. That's not gonna help. This thing has latched itself to your family. Father, we never seen nothing like this. I'm coming with you. No way. I can't lose you. There's a lady in a dirty nightgown that I see in my dreams. She's standing in front of my mom's bed. Do you want to see him? Yeah. When the music stops, you see him in the mirror standing behind you. All right, so here we have The Conjuring, which is supposedly based on a true story of the the Warrens, Ed and Lorraine Warren, who are these paranormal investigator people who go around. And uh, it's, from the film, they do a little bit of debunking and uh, also a lot of collecting of weird artifacts that are all either possessed or used as some weird evil related junk anyway yeah, like the doll yeah and they uh they encounter a woman who with her family four girls and her husband have just moved into this house and uh, some crazy stuff is starting to happen and that woman approaches them and says hey um can you come look at my house there's a lot of weird stuff happening uh, can you just help us out? And things begin to escalate from there. Es- escalate? Begin to escalate from there. Uh, so, Carson, what did you think of The Conjuring? Um, I, I had a pretty fun time watching this movie. Uh, I don't think it's a new classic by any means. Uh, I don't think that it redefines the genre at all. Uh, I mean, it is a pretty familiar movie in the sense that, like, yeah, we've if you've seen a haunted house movie, you've pretty much uh, seen it all. Like, I mean, uh, I, I don't think this movie tries to be anything more than a haunted house, like horror movie, but it does so with a very earnest and uh, in a, in a very kind of straightforward way. Like there, there's, there's something about this movie that should be appreciated because it takes itself seriously and not in a bad way where it's like, I wish they didn't take themselves so seriously because sometimes you can get that in movies. But, um, you know, I think I, I, it's funny because James Wan, like, you know, made saw as his first movie and created a monster essentially (laughs) with that series. And, and also like just, in the way horror films are made because like he started that whole revolution where it's like, whoa, like camera zooming in and like spinning around really fast. Like it's on cocaine and shit and all this. And, um, now you see that in every horror movie. Now you're just like, Oh, like whatever. Um, so it's kind of interesting that he is going back to the, uh, styles of horror that of like the seventies, now, I won't say that this is on par with movies like The Exorcist or like Rosemary's Baby or something like that, but it's at least trying to be in that style where it's like, hey, this whole movie is comprised of like wide shots and long takes and, uh, you know, just really like lingering on moments and also 
taking its time to really build the story. Like I, this movie is very uh, character driven. Like it's not most horror movies are like we got to get to the scares right away because there's teenagers in the crowd and they want to get scared, you know. And this is like it takes about a good hour before uh, our two, uh, you know, husband and wife uh, characters even get to this house to investigate what's going on. Yeah. Um, so there's a good hour of buildup, not only like kind of spooky things going on in the house, but, um, you know, nothing really big happens until they show up. But then we also get Patrick Wilson and Vera Farmiga doing their thing, their, their, their job going around different schools and going to different people's houses and kind of doing what they do. And uh, you don't really see that in, in mainstream horror movies nowadays uh, where they're actually like taking their time. Uh, most, of, you know, most of the time it's just like, you know, it's got to be quick and it's got to be, you know, we got to get to those scares. And um, there's something refreshing about this movie because like I kind of hinted at in the Red 2 review, like th- this movie is, you know, it, it takes its time. It's not – you know, it, it pulls back. It's not like right up in the actors' faces, and you're, you know, having like some kids scream at you or whatever. I mean, there's a lot of typical horror moments in it where you know, like boom, like really loud noises, and the and the music gets you know really creepy and loud. And of course, there's all those those jump scare moments and what whatnot. But uh, for some reason, I, like I felt like this movie was calm. Like it didn't. I didn't feel like I was being berated. Like I did watching something like last exorcism two or, um, or I, I didn't feel like I was, uh, bored and, and it didn't feel bland, like in the last paranormal activity. Yeah. Um, this actually, I think this movie is like really well paced. I, I think that it, it goes by pretty quickly and, um, I think that benefits. And I think that, uh, I don't know. I think what it, I think it, it mostly su- succeeds because it reminds me of when horror films were taken seriously uh, and they were made for adults. They weren't made for twelve-year-olds, uh, and I think that's what this movie is. I mean, this movie was is rated R, but there's hardly there's you know there's no cursing really. There's no sex. There's no drugs or anything. It's it's purely rated R for scares alone. Yeah, which uh, there's is, some which there's is some weird. blood. There's some blood and stuff, but uh, it's not anything that I don't think is graphic. Like, uh, it's kind of yeah. I mean, there's it's purely for I think for for terror reasons, and um, there there is a lot of moments in the film where you know there's a jump scare coming, but I, I feel like James Wan at least knows his way around some of these. Like he he knows how to play it like he he can like play a moment pretty well like in terms of getting you to jump like there's one it's weird because like he'll change it up like there'll be there'll be obvious ones and then there'll be ones where you're not expecting them at all um and i i feel like you know in in any of these movies there's always you know the the moment where you're just like oh these people are dumb like like don't do it don't go down there or whatever um (laughs) There are moments like this in that movie, but they almost feel justified. Like, there's a character in this film who's a cop who doesn't believe in any of the stuff that's happening. Um, so there's a there's a moment where, like, 
you know, a noise is heard off in the distance and he goes to investigate, but it's almost like, well, I feel like he would because he doesn't think that this is, you know, what's really going down is what it is. So, um, you're kind of like, yeah, don't do it. But then you're like, well, I guess he would because he doesn't think anything's wrong. Uh, and it's actually in that scene where the, the one jump scare happens where I wasn't expecting it. So, um, I, I mean, there's, like I said, it's not anything that is uh, redefines a genre, but like if you're looking for a mainstream horror movie, um, this is definitely the the best one that's come out this year. I mean, uh, probably in the last couple years, like, I, yeah, like it's it's definitely uh, I, I liked it a lot better than Insidious, that's for sure. Yeah, I would I would agree for wholeheartedly there because I was not. Insidious is one of those films that, like, for me, it had a lot of potential, and I actually like a lot of what it's doing, but it just has some things that I just can't... It 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 goes to weird places that yeah. don't scare me. They just kind of make me laugh and, like, want to play Oingo Boingo music. <laughs> it just doesn't... <laughs> it doesn't... That film just fails for me on a lot of levels, but... I, I think a majority of the film totally works and um, I I enjoyed parts of it before things got really weird. Yeah. Um, this movie doesn't... I, I mean, there. this film is based on a true story, but I feel like... I feel like they were just... They were adding a lot of... I, I don't know. This movie seems to just have it all. It's like, not only do we need to have an exorcism, we need to have the exorcism before she goes and sacrifices her child. And, you know, and it's like, on top of that... Yeah, there's that creepy damn doll in this movie too. Like, it's just it sort of like keeps building and building and building and uh, yeah, like the, there's a there's a lot of good stuff to appreciate in this movie. I, I think it's a movie that you can appreciate more than than you can actually say like yeah, like it was a new classic or something. Uh, I I was just I think it was uh, I think it was refreshing in a, in a in a summer. You know, to to have this movie come out in summer, you know, in, in in the midst of all these like loud blockbuster movies that are just super big, you know, this movie was really small and uh, you know, it was just trying to get you scared. Really, it wasn't trying to you know wow you with these like big action set pieces or anything. Yeah. Um. Th- th- this film is. For me, this is one of those films that it's good enough that I have a bunch of complaints for, with it. <laughs> it's one of those things where it's if if this was just a normal run of the mill janky horror film, I could be like, yeah, it was pretty lame. This is kind of dumb. I didn't enjoy it. But the fact that like it's it, there is a lot of attention to detail. Um, a lot of things are done right. The performances from like. Basically, everyone except for Ron Livingston are amazing. <laughs> like, I think everybody was, like, really phenomenal in this film except for him. Uh, well, I mean, he really doesn't get anything to do. He hardly. doesn't. He doesn't. But, I mean, it's like everybody is sort of just bringing their A-game. Everybody's, like, really serious. And he's kind of like, I'm the dad who shows up for a while. What's going <laughs> on? I should go yeah. and drive my truck somewhere so that I don't and have to be in the gets- scene steps in the background once stuff starts going down and and, and i like him i'm not trying to like insult yeah. him or his acting style just every line he had i was like he he was just this really aloof dude who yeah he he was like if uh um what's what's the boyfriend's name in the paranormal activity series 
yeah, Micah. My, yeah, Micah. It, he was like, if if Micah wasn't charismatic at all, that's what he, he this character would be. Like, basically, he, he's like Micah without all the entertaining value. He's just like the dude who's there, who's like, yeah, I don't think weird stuff's happening because I'm never home because I'm always off driving my truck because that's what I do for a living. Like, it, he just kind of was there because they needed to have a father figure. But yeah. then they wrote a reason for him to not be around for like a week at a time. Um, yeah. But anyways, like I, I think that that when you were first describing the film and like what it does a little bit differently, I, I think what is good about what this thing is trying to do is that the haunted family isn't technically the main character. Like the main yeah. character is literally the uh, the Warrens. Like it's the film starts with them, and then we bounce over to um to this family as things start to happen as they're moving into their new house and we keep returning to the warrens and this entire story is kind of told from their point of view it's their story it's not the family story in a normal horror film what happens is we start with a family um weird stuff starts to happen and eventually it gets scary enough to the point that they get on the phone they go to the phone book or they go to the local college and they go help me i need somebody who's like a demonologist or something like that and then that person comes to the house and that person's only a character long enough to go, uh, I can't do anything for you. I'm out of here and leave. Right, yeah. Um, and that's kind of the standard horror film trope. And this film, much like uh, The Last Exorcism, the, the first of The Last Exorcism films, like that person who's going to be involved in this is a person that we meet and we experience a bunch of time with outside of the case that this film is about. Um, yeah. And that gives us a chance to learn who those people are and actually get to care about them and what's going to happen or not happen to them um, over the course of the film. And it, it just adds weight and it adds intrigue and it adds a lot to what's happening around them. And uh, this film does it even more because we're not just experiencing like back then, Reverend Cotton Wallace or whatever his name was. Right. Uh, yeah. Uh, we're seeing him on individual cases um, but he's not necessarily giving us more, uh, like he's just explaining what, and we're seeing little fragments of stuff here in this, because these characters are, they are like doing this weird teaching circuit where they're like traveling to different colleges and giving all these speeches about demonology and stuff like that. Like we get this helpful exposition that actually enlightens us into the overall genre as a whole. Like we're not just getting to know them as people like in the last exorcism we're learning that like oh yeah i i don't believe but i still perform these fake exorcisms and all we're really learning is that he doesn't believe exorcisms are real like we're not gaining more knowledge in this film during the course of these lectures they're giving we learn about things like the th three phases to possession and things like that where it's like we're building up knowledge in this universe that is actually really interesting. Like every every film that involves like demonic presences or possessions or hauntings, there's always this like gradual um, ramp up towards the freakiness. And, you know, partly that's just a, a good formula to use. But in this film, they actually have an explanation for why it starts out like this and how you're basically yeah. it's it's they first show up and they become a presence. Then they start to like way down on you until you can't take it anymore and then at that point you're weak you're weak enough emotionally for them to be able to get into you and and take hold and be able to do whatever they need their whatever their intention is so like we get more knowledge about how this genre works as a whole from these lectures that they're giving and we don't spend too much time in it like it i mean it's a similar to uh you know in a film that 
wasn't that great. The right, which we reviewed yeah. whatever year that came out, you know, we get a similar situation in that film where this kid is going through, or this young, young adult is going to various classes at like the Vatican and stuff. And, and seeing these cases and listening to that but those are specific cases these guys are just talking about it in general and like trying to teach people about demonology um i don't know i I just really like that aspect of learning about this stuff um and especially just like being able to see that room where they keep all the objects and the artifacts like clearly these people have dealt with a lot of cases and while the only cases we really see previous to um this moment um, a lot of it is like them debunking stuff like, oh, yeah, this sound is actually coming from here. But yeah. just being able to see that room of like hundreds of these objects, you know that they've encountered a lot of stuff over time. Yeah. Um, and all that stuff just really leads to a great experience overall. Um, but the problem I have with some of the things in this film, it, it's just like it, it's it's good enough and it's done well enough that now I start to treat it like it's a really serious, like it's not just this horror film that I'm like, oh yeah, yeah was it scary? Was it not scary? Like, I mean, because half the time I see a film, it's like, well, was I scared or not? I wasn't, uh, you know, like it, it, it kind of, I, I judge them a little bit on more of a lax scale than I would a, a normal film because like they're not trying to compete with like, inception or something like that they're just trying to like make this creepy thing and as long as it doesn't do anything too stupid i'm like yeah it's it's good enough it was creepy um but this film since it's good enough there's all these things that it does that kind of become a problem for me just in the context of what's going on in the film i mean they, they establish this backstory to the warrens where both both of them independently or not not really independently but basically Ed has a backstory involving somebody close to him and a exorcism that they were trying to perform. Uh, we have uh, Lorraine had some experience during an exorcism that, that she was working on where she it, it's never explained. Basically, we know we know that Ed has lost his original wife that's told to us, but they never talk about it. They don't say what happened. They just say that it, that that happened. And that sort of shapes who he is now. Lorraine got really close to something and saw something, but she has never told anything, anyone, not even Ed. So it's like, this is, there's these little bits of information that are throwing in there that are really just there as fluff because they don't ever come back to the story. Like really his backstory just makes him scared to lose Lorraine. And Lorraine's backstory just gives him more reason to be scared to lose Lorraine. And like, it's, I don't know, like that really bugged me that there's all these things that get introduced and then aren't really ever brought back at all. Like did, did that, did you care at all about that Carson? Uh, no, I actually was glad that they didn't show that stuff because I thought that they might. What, what, um, what would what would be your problem with that actually happening? I don't know because I just feel like it's, I feel like it's you know it's always creepier when they never show you, you know the the monster or whatever. Well, no, um, like they, they didn't they didn't have to show anything yeah. like in a flashback. But I mean, why were we given that knowledge? If that knowledge isn't going to have any sort of impact at all on the story we're currently in there is absolutely no reason to give us that information um because if 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 ed and lorraine warren were together if they were each other's like if if she was his first wife and there was no one else before him 
this this story does not change at all one single bit like there's nothing in this story that requires him to have lost his previous wife i mean i think that's just they're just putting that in there because it's fact i mean i I, and I think that the the fact that uh, you know she had this ordeal with an exorcism or she saw something, I mean, I think that I think that totally factors into the to the finale where they have to actually perform an exorcism themselves, and uh, you know he's afraid that you know she might not make it through, and but, but, but uh, no... I mean I think that was definitely set up for the the ending there. But it, but it doesn't. It doesn't play into it, and it, and it, there's not there's nothing because he was never told whatever happened during that other time. He just knows that it was really scary, and she was scared. Like he's just like, no, you can't because we don't want anything bad to happen. And she's like, no, but I have to be here because God put us together. Like there's there's not really. It's... I mean, yeah. I mean, I think she's she's willing to sacrifice. Uh, you know, she's willing to take the risk to because she. I guess you guess you say she likes her job. She wants to help these people. Yeah, but like all that exists without her having to have some weird backstory event that took place. I mean, if you go back to the right, which I've already mentioned, there's that scene where uh, the girl, or maybe it wasn't the right, maybe it was the devil inside. And basically, one of those two films, the there's a girl in the room. No, it must have been the devil's inside, where like the the demon who's possessing her mom calls her out by name. And it's like, oh, like, how does she know who I am or whatever? Like, that's supposed to be like, oh, crazy. Like, because somehow there's this connection from a previous moment in time that she is latching on to. Like, if she got really close to some demonic thing during a possession and then it happens to be a similar demon that's in this person that they're trying to exercise now, like, um, exorcise now, uh, yeah. like, then, like, basically, it, it's it's just not... It's not dealt with in a way that makes me, uh, that makes me believe it was significantly frightening for her in the first place. If that makes sense, like because because there's no consequence of it, I like it's never, it's really only a problem for Ed, not for the film as a whole. Like she's never really in danger of anything, like based on what the film presents to me. Um, it's just him being paranoid because something happened one time and he's worried that might happen again. To me, it's the equivalent of like uh, basically this kid almost drowned and now his dad never wants his child to go in the pool ever again because there's a possibility that she could drown. That's what it feels like. Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess so. But I mean, there's I guess that's the risk that she's willing to take. I mean, that that didn't bother me at all. Like, I think it factored into the uh, the story. But I mean, in a sense, it's almost. I'm almost glad that they didn't factor it in, as you know, they didn't like actually bring it back. Where it's like, oh well, something happened to her in the end. Because um, I, I feel like that, you know that's probably not how it happened in real life, I guess. I mean, I'm not saying that this movie is uh, factually accurate to a T or something, but I at least feel like maybe they wanted to put that in there as like a what if. Like there's there's some sort of danger to it, but there might not be. I don't know. Well, you know, it's it's funny that like uh, there's a there's a few times that you've you've mentioned 
something may be in the film because that's either a how it happened or somewhat connected to fact and one of the things that I've written down right here that I wanted to talk about is that I think the I think the fact that this film is being presented as being based on a true story is a huge debt detriment to the story as a whole and it's not just a marketing thing because this film starts with like it starts with the little like title thing that says like hey right. um you know these people for this many years were doing some of this stuff but there was one case that was so heinous like whatever happened to this family was so incredibly bad that no one's ever talked about this until now or something like that um yeah. so the film itself is setting this up to be something horrific and crazy and in the end two things in the end what it all boils down to it's not really that much more horrific than any other film we've seen like how many people are involved what tragedy caused this whole thing to arise in the first place like yeah. it it seems very i don't want to say run of the mill but it it just doesn't seem that crazy like there's no reason to hide it basically like there's no reason why this case has to be the one that they don't go around telling everybody about because it seems yeah. just very very normal but on top of that i'm not convinced that it's done like at the end of this film there's way more evidence that some people are all still in danger than there is that it the problem has been dealt with i mean even if you just take into consideration like the fact that this thing, whatever it turns out to be, uh, has also made itself known to people other than the family during the course of this film. Mm. That right there implies that even if they can rid this family's house of this problem, that the other people who have encountered this thing are themselves in danger, in danger even more possibly. Because if, if they really cleanse this, this house of of this thing then that thing's got to go somewhere, right? Um, so I, I, I don't know. I just feel that I don't think this film does a good job of convincing me that it's over. Um, especially it does a lot to convince me that it's not over. <laughs> like, I don't know. And that that's something that I could could only really speak to um, in spoilers. But I just, I just, I was, I mean, I enjoyed this film. I had a great time with it. I think it does some pretty creepy things um, and I enjoy some of the, the, the horror elements of it. But like just in the context of the story, I don't really think it's resolve makes any sense at all. And the way they present um, the events of uh, the exorcism, it I'm I'm just not convinced that they achieved their goals. I mean, uh, I do agree with the the fact about them saying this was the most heinous case they ever had. Uh, and I don't know if that's because we've just become so desensitized by seeing these horror movies and seeing like crazy shit happen um, in horror movies or that – I don't know. Like, uh, yeah, it's um, – I, I do kind of agree with that, that it doesn't seem like it was that crazy. But, I mean, I don't know. Um, I, I think that might just be the fact that, like, we've seen so many of these horror movies that it feels the same. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. Um, the fact that, I mean, obviously, 
it's not over because they greenlit a sequel, but <laughs> but I think it's more more so they want to make more movies about the Warrens and like different cases they had. Yeah, yeah, like they could have a sequel that has nothing to do with this story. Right. Yeah, I think that's what they plan to do. I don't think it's going to be specifically this. Yeah. Um. I mean, I, I actually. There is that what you're saying. There is that, but I actually thought the movie, you know, did a good job of not being really open ended. Um, there's a sense of that, yeah, but it's not in a way where it's like we plan on making. It's not like if you go see a Paranormal Activity movie, you know, there's another one coming out next Halloween, so they're gonna end it on a cliffhanger. Well, no, no like like just just to to clarify a little bit. I don't feel that the film is aware that they left it open, <laughs> if that mm. makes sense. Like, I, I don't think it was like, but you forgot about the monkey paw. Like, it, it's not like that sort of thing. It, right, yeah. it, it's like literally these characters who are supposed to be the best at what they do are too stupid to realize that, like, it's probably not over. It, and that the filmmakers themselves weren't intending it to not be over but I feel that they missed something. Mm. If that makes sense that like, it's more of a complaint, not a, not a complaint in that. Like they're just trying to make a sequel, but a complaint in that. Like, yeah. I don't feel like the resolution makes sense. I think it would make more sense if you could actually talk about it. Yes, it would. Yeah. <laughs> so should, we, should we do like a mini, mini spoiler at the end? Maybe. Yeah. Okay. Um, but other than that, I mean, I thought, I thought, uh, like you said, I thought the acting was really good. Yeah, I, I thought, I thought, Patrick Wilson was like both of their characters, him and Vera. They were both just kind of like ballers. Like I would never be able to do the stuff that they do. Um, there's a good, um, and I, you know, I like the whole like them setting up all their equipment and. That, that was good. Yeah, yeah. That stuff was good. Um, I the, the one, like, their, like, Asian helper friend, uh, I was yeah. kind of like, <laughs> another role that could have been filled by uh, Lyle, the team manager. <laughs> yeah, it could have been. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, the, there's a there's a, there's a moment in the film where I think, you know, James Wan just really likes these characters because there's a i mean it's a spoiler it kind of it's kind of a spoiler but there's just like a way these two characters are framed that it makes him look just like super badass um the way it, that, that that it's shot and like portrayed yeah um i, I like i kind of thought the whole thing about like god brought us together that was like a you know that was sort of like a I don't. That, that was just like a line that was just like almost like a, a rally. Like, yeah, like, get him, you know. <laughs> uh, yeah, but um, no, there was, there was a uh, yeah. I mean, I can't. I mean, it's pretty obvious where this movie goes, but um, yeah. Maybe if we have that mini mini spoilers, I'll tell you what it is because I thought it was pretty well staged i mean this this movie is like a well-crafted movie like i i think that uh like i said there's there's a lot more that this movie is offering than your typical uh horror movie no it, it definitely is and all the 
all the creepiness factors are are done well, and even even the clap game scene, which is um, it's the main the feature trailer. of that first trailer. Yeah. Even the way that kind of ends, uh, that scene plays out. It, it's cut differently in the final film than it was for the trailer. Right. Um, yeah. And, and and I'd said that I thought that trailer was like perfectly cut and created, and it was yeah. funny going in to see the film. I was trying to rationalize in my head how that scene could continue after that like it, it it that is such a perfect uh it don't it's almost like that that trailer can work as a little mini short film that yeah. that literally credits roll after the clap because because theoretically that could be the that could be the end of that character right then at that moment you know what i mean but that's like way towards the the middle of the film so um like i i it was funny just 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 thinking trying to think it over in my head how it was all going to work out as it's starting to play out um and then i was like oh cool so they cut differently here and this happens a little bit differently i'm like oh, okay cool so this this makes sense and it, it it was just interesting to my assumptions about even stuff that were being presented with already in the trailer and and how it actually plays out in the film is just a little bit different yeah i will say there's one really stupid thing is uh when a character falls through a, uh, a crawl space in the wall. Oh, um, yeah. Why Patrick Wilson can't just assume and intuit how far she falls? <laughs> like, why he's running around the first floor banging the walls. Yeah, I don't is, know. Is I think he would have gone straight to the basement. <laughs> I would have. I mean, uh, obviously, it helps in the context of the story if he can take some extra time to get down to the basement. <laughs> Right, but, yeah. But I just, I just like everyone, like in you know, like in horror movies when people are really into the movie, sometimes they speak out loud without knowing it. Like, yeah. Everyone in my theater was like, "Basement, go to the basement." She's <laughs> in the basement. Like everybody in the theater just kept saying "basement." Yeah. Uh, well, I, I, why well, I texted you this, but like I went and saw this movie in RPX. Uh, I had not seen a movie in rpx before i mean i've seen a movie in etx which is probably the exact same thing probably it's the, it's the amc equivalent of uh rpx um but yeah like uh i i thought it was good i don't think it was a good movie to see in rpx like it it was good when like the the shit went down like when it was loud and there were scares going on yeah but f- for the rest of the movie this is a quiet movie there's just a lot of people talking mostly yeah um so there's you know, in buildup, so there's a lot of quiet scenes. Um, so in, in those moments, like, you can – I could just hear, like, everyone sitting in the theater, like, not sitting still. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and RPX, I don't know if it's, like, if it's uh, the same down by you. You got the noisy-ass um, leather seats. The leather seats, yeah. yeah. So, like, every time people were moving, like, in the road next to me – it was just like constant, like you know, sounded like zippers or farting noises. Yeah, like, no, it <laughs> it is it is really terrible. That that's a regal thing. They have these leather seats, but it's just yeah. it's a leather covering for your standard movie theater seat, right? Because it's trying to be premium and exclusive. Because you're seeing in a you know premium setting. Yeah, and the worst part about it is they're not. It's not stiff back chairs that have a locked support. Yeah, they can rock back. So like, yeah, if you just shift your weight, you'll you'll lean back or forward. Which means the back of the back edge of the chair, the edge of the back of the chair rubs against the edge of the armrest. So like any movement at all will go 
Yeah. Like it sounds like when uh when you're making a balloon animal, you get that little squeak sound like Yeah, the squeaky noise. It yeah. sounds like that like all over the place. Like that's the same thing. It's exact same problem I had when I saw Zero Dark 30 in RPX. Mm-hmm. Yeah, cuz I I figured um that if you went to see an action movie like Pacific Rim or something like that where it's just pretty much constant noise, you know, there's a lot of action going on. So you would probably that wouldn't be a problem, but with this movie where there was a lot of talking amongst the you know when all the other stuff wasn't happening, yeah, it was kind of like well, that didn't really sell me there. But you know when the 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 loud stuff came in, then yeah, it was worth it. But yeah, other than that, it was like a lot of people nervously squirming or you know reaching over to grab popcorn out of the bucket from their friend you know sitting next to them yeah or people chewing overly buttered popcorn you just hear that squish (laughs) yeah yeah it's good times (laughs) yeah so uh yeah i was calling it like fart px (laughs) when i walked out because it just sort of sounded like cool well uh any last thoughts about this film before we wrap this up and then get to our little mini spoiler segment uh no all right, well, why don't you just go ahead and rate this then, Carson. Let's get into our verdict. If you're going to give this a uh, must-see, recommend with a caveat, wait for rental, pass with a caveat, or must-avoid, where would you place it? Um, I think I will give it a recommend with a caveat. Uh, I will say that, you know, in my opinion, I will say that this is a good date movie. <laughs> Not because it's cute, but because she'll most likely be scared i guess yeah any creepy movie is a good date movie if you're gonna have someone squeezing up on you yeah exactly creepy movies or movies with channing tatum or you know yeah (laughs) movies movies that are based on nicholas sparks books yeah i guess definition of a good date movies or or red too like chris said yeah there you go. <laughs> Anyways, um, yeah, I'm also going to give it a recommend with a caveat. I think that uh, if you're into, like, I, th- I think this is a well-made horror film, and uh, I think that you will be sufficiently happy with it if uh, you're used to, like, I just want to see whatever the next scary thing is that is out, because I think this definitely elevates um, uh, above some of the other trash that's been out recently. Yeah, um, like, I think it, you'll get a little more out of this than you would, say, the purge or something yeah and if you're really weird like me you'll get enough more out of it that it actually makes you complain about things that aren't <laughs> perfect and i mean like like my two of my favorites or i guess three my, my, my basically my favorite horror films um are the orphanage uh paranormal activity one and uh the descent and those those films i think in what they're doing they do perfectly and like everything about them works from the context of building the world, the story and the events that take place all make sense perfectly. I think this film uh, is very proficiently made uh, and does a lot um, for what it's trying to do and trying to separate itself from other just generic horror films out there. But I think it, it just there's just some things that make me question why certain things happen. So. That's yeah. That's all I have to say about that. So, there you go. That is our review for this film, Carson. If people want to find you throughout the week, where can they do that? 
Uh, you can go to practicalcandy.wordpress.com and uh, yeah, I recently wrote a new entry so you can read the seven pages of why Adam Sandler's been trolling us for the past three years. Very nice. Uh, people can find me over at ChristopherInRealLife.com or Twitter.com slash ChristopherIRL. You can find the podcast over at TheSpoilerWarning.com where you can get all the back episodes of the show, including our reviews of Red 2, RIPD, and Only God Forgives. You can follow us on Twitter to figure out when all these episodes go live at Twitter.com slash SpoilerWarning or like us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash TheSpoilerWarning. If you want to get a hold of us directly, you can send an email to fans at thespoilerwarning.com or call and leave us a voicemail at 760-575-4TSW. That's 760-575-4879. Music for this episode will come from the soundtrack to uh, The Conjuring, if it is available. And uh, if not, it'll just be creepy ambient sounds like I've used for other horror films in the past. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so music is playing now. Um, and... Uh, you know, those of you who haven't seen this film yet can just take off and uh, hopefully you enjoy listening to this review. Uh, everyone else, if you've already seen it or you're not going to see it, you don't care, and you're curious about those things that I was kind of hinting at earlier and the scene that uh, Carson wanted to call out, um, stick with us because as soon as this music fades out, we're going to jump into spoiler territory for this film. Here we are. We are currently in spoiler territory, so you can assume that anything that comes after this moment is going to spoil this film for you if you haven't seen it yet. So here we are spoiling it. Um, Carson, do you want to start off with uh, just the scene that you were talking about and the way they framed whatever that was and uh, why you thought it was cool? Uh, yeah, it's pretty quick. I mean, it's basically at the end where um, like right before they finish off the exorcism, and uh, the mom is, like, underneath the kitchen. And uh, you got Patrick Wilson, like, reaching his hand through a hole in the side. Yeah. And then uh, you got Vera Farmiga reaching through the hole in the kitchen on top. And it's kind of this, like, double action where it's, like, right at the moment where they're about to expunge it and Patrick Wilson says his Latin you know get the hell out of here like I've sentenced you back to hell yeah and uh there's like a great push in on him as he grabs her and then that's right when Vera Farmiga grabs puts her hand on the mom's head and it's kind of this like real quick like boom boom you know you like (laughs) you're done (laughs) Like we're the Warrens, bitch. You know, yeah. like that. And uh, I, don't know, I thought that was, I thought that was pretty cool. There, there, there was an interestingly constructed scene too, because, like, it, it was even more complex than what you're describing uh, for people who are listening but haven't seen the film, because you basically have the mother who, at this point in time, is pretty much fully possessed and attempting to slaughter her daughter. Yeah. And she is trapped in this. Basically, there, there's these crawl spaces underneath the house, and they're all sectioned off by these little holes. So we have the vulnerable daughter um, and the mother who's trying to kill the daughter in the center room, and all the other ways are blocked. And you have 
the father reaching through one side, holding the daughter, trying to talk to her, um, talk to the mother to yeah. get the the her that is left inside of this possessed creature um, to come back to everyone while Patrick Wilson is re- reaching in from the other side. So it's like you have all the danger, like no one is in that room able to stop her from anything she wants to do to the daughter. So there's already this heightened tension. So you have these people, you have three people trying to talk her back, but they're all isolated and not able to step in themselves. So it's like if any of them stops for even a second and loses what little tiny grip they still have on the mother, like it's done. Like there's nothing they can do to stop her from just eviscerating that little girl. Um, it's so like the yeah. tension in that scene is really, really pretty incredible and uh, definitely an, an interesting scenario they've set up. And like, cause usually it's like, you know, it's like the way the, the uh, thing started where it's a bunch of people holding her down and as long as everybody keeps holding her down, everything will be okay. And like, you know, most movies they'll knock one guy down. It's like, Oh my God, hold her down. Uh, right, but this is yeah. like, literally it's like talk her down because we can't hold her down anymore. Right. Yeah. And I mean, it, uh, the whole scene kind of escalates to that mm. moment. Um, I, I did kind of like how they covered her with a sheet and then there's the, the moment where she like bursts through it. Yeah. But I mean, there's, there's kind of like in this one where, you know, we got to talk her down. We, like we strapped her down, but then it's like, but then it's just like, oh shit! Like she, the, the chair flipped upside down on the ceiling. It's like now, what do we do? And then it just keeps going. And then, uh, but yeah, what I was talking about, like that, I don't know. I just thought that was like a. That's why I thought that like James Wan really likes these these people these characters. Yeah. Uh, this is like a a little mini badass moment when they finally like save the day. I guess you know, but. Um, I get, it's kind of something you have to see, but yeah, that's what I was talking about there. That leads nicely into the complaint that I was kind of voicing earlier. Um, and that is the, in that scene, the way that scene ends is, is okay. The mother, um, you know, Vera relives this she kind of like forces the mom to remember this day when the family went out and had this awesome time at the beach while they were traveling or on vacation or doing whatever and like they had this moment earlier on the film where she's like oh this is a great photo and then they both touch hands accidentally as they're placing the photo on the wall and then Vera is actually able to see this memory herself and it communicates to her um, because she's a a, an empath or a a clairvoyant um, yeah and you know, she she has this moment, so she knows how much it means to the mother. So she's able to touch the mother and kind of like convince her, like, "Hey, rem- like, stick with me and remember this memory that we had earlier. Um, that will bring you back." Blah, blah blah blah. And you know, a few moments before that, Patrick Wilson did say, uh, "You know, uh, uh, Bathsheba, right? Was that the name of the demon?" Yeah, something like that. I can't remember. Yeah, like so he he calls the demon out by name, which, as we remember from the right, that is an important thing to be able to banish a demon. You need to know the demon's name. Um, and, uh, you know, he says, I banish you back to hell. Um, but it's not like you see her pulled out of the mother at that moment and get sucked down to hell. It's just like she keeps going. And it's not until the mother uh, or Vera talks the mother down that she finally kind of like releases temporarily. And it's like, 
to me, nothing about that scene communicates that a the demon actually got banished to hell just because like because we we've established that um that ed uh isn't an ordained minister he's not a priest he doesn't technically have the authority to be performing an exorcism they're doing it as sort of like a last like ditch effort to because they don't have time to get a real priest over because you know the mother's going critical now and yeah. they, they just don't have time to wait it. So he is underpowered, so to speak, as he's trying to form this exorcism. And yeah, like to me, that scene felt like the eye of the storm. That's the moment in films like The Possession where um, the demon really just left her and went to someone else. You know, like that that's the kind of moment mm-hmm. it felt like. I didn't feel like, oh, hell yeah. You like she wasn't like steaming. You know, there was no like flicker of lights. Like there was there was nothing besides her not screaming anymore to actually communicate that some sort of transferal or leaving um, happened. And like that's fine if like, it felt like at that moment it was so, sort of almost just a little anticlimactic. Um, but n- the more I started to think about it, it's like we already had the establishment earlier of when Vera was running underneath the house and she she got her locket that her daughter had given her um, caught on the thing. And then she runs away. That locket is what the, the demon uses to kind of latch on and discover that she actually has this daughter. And uh, you know, as I mentioned that the demon then visits the daughter and there's this whole moment where there's this, this thing that takes place at um, Ed and Lorraine's house um, with the daughter and the Nana and all that kind of stuff. And, um, they even bring the doll, which is completely unconnected for some reason, but because the audience is freaked out by the doll, they bring it back in, which is another complaint I had. But um, basically, we've already established that the demon is willing to work on and possibly work towards possessing somebody else. And if the whole point of what the demon is trying to do is I have to possess a mother to destroy the daughter, um, just because they've removed her from... Um, the the mother who lives in this house with the, I keep saying mother, but yeah, the, the the mother with the four daughters that's possessed in this film, just because now the demon is out of her, doesn't mean that it couldn't go into Lorraine herself, um, and try to kill the daughter who the demons already visited now. Like so, it's, it's kind of like they've established that the demon now has another target, um, and that's not mentioned at all once. Um, the exorcism is performed at the end of the film. And it's kind of like, it's really obvious that that's still a looming issue in the film to me. And like, just because uh, Ed says, I banish you back to hell, doesn't mean that that necessarily happened. I mean, if the demon did get banished to hell, then yes, there's no way it can possess the daughter. But I'm just not convinced by what the film shows me uh, that... That is what happened. Yeah. Does that make sense? I uh, No, that makes sense. I, I can see that. Um, I mean, but that's also... Uh, I mean, it's it's, val- it's a valid point, but it's also a point where you can look at it and say, like, I've seen enough horror movies to know, you know... Yeah, yeah, yeah. That this always comes back or whatever. It's not over. Um but yeah, it, it it would seem kind of weird, but uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Like the, like I said though, 
the movie doesn't leave it the movie does end like i don't think it leaves it open-ended for this particular story um other than you know you could say that yeah i don't think that you know like you just the like your mini complaint there yeah but i mean uh you know the the final shot of this movie is the the wind-up toy thing and I thought for sure they were going to show, like, something else in it. But they didn't. And, I yeah. mean, I was kind of glad that they didn't. Well, you know, there, there's another another thing along the same lines that – and, I like, this is one of those things that I kind of have to rewatch the opening to the film just to confirm because I'm not 100% certain on this thought. It's just – it's something that's, like, sticking in my brain. Um, the beginning of the film when they're talking to the girls that have the doll – they are distinctly they're they're making a distinction between uh demonic powers and uh ghostly entities um basically demons are things that have never walked the earth like they're just pure demonic evil forces and those are the things that usually try to do possessive thing like to to possess um yeah. this entity though was a woman who was tried or basically everybody thought she was a witch and she killed herself. Right. Right. Yeah. So this force should not be demonic because it's a earth walking person who committed suicide and is now haunting people. Right. Uh, I guess, but there was some weird thing about like, yeah, I don't know. Because, like, that, that, that's what I'm confused at is, like, it seems that they established that only demons can possess people, but this is clearly a ghost because she was once alive as a human being, and... But she pledged her allegiance to Satan, so maybe she isn't? I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I mean, because they do, they do say that, but I, yeah, I mean, yeah. I don't know. Who knows? I mean, they... But no, but didn't she pledge her allegiance to Satan by possessing the mother to kill the daughter? No, she just killed herself and then, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I think I got to see it like, again to fully, I got to take notes as I'm watching the film and try to, like, <laughs> I got to draw diagrams of straws. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> exactly. I don't know. Anyways, that, that, that's basically my piece. Um. I didn't want to get into a huge discussion about it, but that's just, that's to clarify what I was talking about earlier. That is what it was. Yeah. Cool. Well, uh, that's all I got. Uh, you got anything else? No. Cool. Well, uh, that's it. Um, I think last time we did a spoiler talk, uh, we rambled and I just edited it and faded up the music <laughs> <laughs> because like our conversation had no Started bearing. Started talking about like Pacific Rim or something. I don't know what we did, but it was bad. So, I'm just going to say thank you, everybody, who uh, is still listening now. Uh, thank you for sticking with us. I hope that uh, my weird-ass comments made sense to you. Um, and uh, if you're not listening, I don't need to tell you anything because you're not listening. So thanks for, joining, thanks for joining me again, Carson. Yep, thank you for having me. And uh, we will catch all you guys in our RIPD review. So later. <laughs> <laughs>